This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, dear family of God. I have a very, very important message for all of us here today. From the heart of the Father to all of you. I believe it's going to help you tremendously in your relationship with God and to live out your Christian life in this world. My message is titled, Freedom and the Conscience. Freedom and the Conscience. There are so many Christians living in guilt and condemnation because they believe the lies of the devil. We're going to learn how to live a life of freedom and how to maintain a clear conscience at the same time. All right, so let's go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. I'm going to use the New Living Translation. So now, what about it? Should we eat meat that has been offered or sacrificed to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god. And that there is only one god. And no other. And no other. Verse 7. However, not all Christians realize this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. Their weak consciences are violated. Go to verse 10. You see, this is what can happen. Weak Christians who think it is wrong to eat this food will see you eating in the temple of an idol. Eating in the temple of an idol. You know there's nothing wrong with it, but they will be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been dedicated to an idol So because of your superior knowledge, a weak Christian for whom Christ died will be destroyed. All right, let's talk about this. The Apostle Paul, unctioned by the Holy Spirit, is helping Christians here in Corinth understand the problem regarding eating in temples where the food, the meat, has been offered to an idol. So in the temple, uh, people would come, bring their meat. It would be offered to the idols. And then the priests of this temple would take that meat and cook it in the restaurant, same building, same building, by hand, and sell it. So they get free meat, And then they sell it and make a profit. The food. And Christians would go eat there. I guess the food was good. And uh, some baby Christians were having a problem seeing mature Christians eat there. And then they would be tempted to go eat there and they would be guilty while eating because they think this is 
been offered to a false god and now we're eating this, this food. And Paul says, because of your superior knowledge, a weaker Christian for whom Christ died will be destroyed. So evidently, here in verse 10 it says, you know there's nothing wrong with doing that because you're mature. You know there's only one God and these are just idols, they're not gods. So you eat there and that's fine, not a problem for you. So Paul says it's not a problem eating in those temples. God says, not a problem eating in those temples. But if a baby Christian comes in there and does it, he is sinning. He is sinning because he's violating his conscience. So here in verse 10 and verse 11, these two verses explain what happens to a Christian brother who violates his conscience. It says that he sins. He is doing something that's acceptable with God. It's not a sin, but because he thinks it's a sin, he has sinned. Now the next verse, 12, says, And you are sinning against Christ when you sin against other Christians by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong. So here the Word of God says, because you think it's okay, and it is because you mature and you, you have no guilty conscience, but because you've tempted a baby Christian to do something he thinks is wrong, now you have sinned as well. You have sinned as well. So verse 12 explains what happens to those who cause a Christian to violate his conscience and sin. In other words, a mature Christian has now sinned because he's caused a baby Christian to violate his conscience, and so by so doing, he has sinned. This is a strange situation. So now both the baby Christian and the mature Christian have committed a sin over something that's not wrong. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's quite in order to do it, but they have both sinned in different ways. Verse 13, still reading from the same chapter now. If what I eat is going to make another Christian sin, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to make another Christian stumble. Good advice from Paul. So, it's not wrong to eat meat offered to idols unless you believe it is wrong. Unless you believe it is wrong. If a person goes against their conscience, even if what they're doing is not wrong, they have sinned. That's what we learn here. So our conscience is very important to guiding us in our behavior and living in freedom in Christ. Romans 14, verse 14, New Living Translation. I know I am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food 
in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. That's in the Bible, Romans 14, 14. And if, verse 15, and if another Christian is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love. If you eat it, don't let your eating ruin somebody for whom Christ died. Don't let your eating ruin somebody for whom Christ died. Our behavior, even though we know it's okay to do what we do, should be considerate, we should be considerate of unbelievers or baby Christians around us who don't understand that it's okay to do what we're doing. Don't do it if they are going to stumble. Verse um, <clears throat> 16. Then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. So here's the deal. A person is condemned as sinning when they do something and know it's okay if a baby Christian is watching and thinks it's wrong. 20. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat, what you drink, whatever you do. Remember, there's nothing wrong with these things in themselves. But it is wrong to eat anything if it makes another person stumble. You may have the faith to believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves for doing something they know is all right. So a mature Christian could do something, he has a clear conscience, he knows it's fine. Go ahead and do it. But be careful who's watching. Okay, verse 23. But if people have doubts about whether they should eat something, they shouldn't eat it. If they're doubting, not sure, whatever it is, doubting, not sure, don't do it. They would be condemned for not acting in faith before God. They'd be condemned for not acting in faith before God. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Even if it is okay, if you think it's not okay, and you do it, you're sinning. We have to live a life of faith. In other words, whatever I do, I must do with the assurance in my heart that it's okay to do. Then I'm walking in the light of my conscience, and all is well. We must have faith in what we're doing. If we do something we don't believe is right, we are going against our conscience, and that is a sin. That is a sin. So the key is, before we do anything, always listen to your conscience. If you are confident, go ahead. If you are not confident, don't. That's how we as believers live a life of freedom. 
That is why it is so important to know God's word. Romans 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the word of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we know what the Bible says, we renew our mind. We stop thinking the way that's of the world and wrong, and we understand what God says about certain things. When we know what God says about the subject, then we can live with confidence, knowing what to do, what not to do. Our conscience can only be confused if we don't know what the Bible says. We must be careful not to confuse the conscience of baby Christians, to make them think God approves of things that are wrong. We must not let baby Christians think that God approves of certain things when they are wrong. In Numbers 20 verse 7, we see the Lord says to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. Command the rock over there to pour out its water. You will get enough water from the rock to satisfy all the people and their livestock. So three million people going through the wilderness, plus all of their camels and donkeys and whatever they've got, will receive all the water they need from the rock. If you command the rock, to pour out its water. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron, his brother, summoned the people to come and gather at this big rock close to the foot of Mount Sinai. Listen, you rebels, Moses shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Now the people were thirsty. And they wanted to drink. So Moses shouts, You rebels! Must we bring you water from this rock? Now he's angry at them, right? I guess after three million people have been frustrating him for all these years, and now he's, <laughs> he's had about as much as he can take. Verse 11, Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out, so all the people and their livestock drank. Now remember, God said, talk to the rock, but he struck the rock. We just read it right here in verse 10. Uh, verse 8, Command the rock over there to pour out its water. Verse 8, right? So he struck the rock. Now verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Now Moses died before they went into the promised land and Joshua took over. But Right here in verse 12, 
This is Numbers 20, verse 12. God tells Moses what his sin is. His sin is, you did not demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. Bear that in mind. Holiness means to set apart. To set apart. To sanctify. All right? Now, God said, Moses, you did not set me apart. Look, to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. You don't set me apart as holy before the people of Israel. Now, as I said, knowing the Bible brings clarity to our conscience, right? Knowing the Bible removes confusion from our conscience. Jesus said in John 8.32, And you shall know the truth, or you shall know the word of God, and the truth will make you free, or the word of God will make you free, when you know it. In other words, you'll live a life of freedom, and you'll be set free from problems as well, through the word. Both are correct. Now, some preach that Moses sinned, because he struck the rock when God told him to speak to the rock. And that's why he died. That is not a correct interpretation of that portion of Scripture. If you'll study it, that interpretation is just for somebody who reads through it quickly but doesn't really study it. If you'll study what God is saying here in the Hebrew, God told Moses to strike the rock way back in Exodus 17, verse 5, when they came out of Egypt to the Red Sea, to Mount Sinai, and they got to this rock, God told them the first time they got to that rock, strike it. Now they've gone around all over the place and come back to the rock, and God said, talk to it. All right, now let's read Exodus 17, verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, Take your shepherd's staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Then call some of the leaders of Israel and walk out ahead of the people. I will meet you by the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come pouring out. Then the people will be able to drink. Moses did just as he was told. And as the leaders looked on, water gushed out. So right here in verse 6, he said, strike the rock. Okay. So God told Moses to strike the rock here. And the first portion of Scripture we read, he told Moses to talk to the rock. But this happened some months later, okay? All right. So God told Moses... What he did was wrong. Found in Numbers 20, verse 12, as I said. And he said this, You did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness before the people. Okay? In other words, what's this mean? You let the people think, I was angry because they wanted water. Let the people think, God was angry because the people wanted water. So Moses should have said, everybody, you bunch of rebels, 
I'm mad at you, as mad as a snake. God's not mad. He's fine. But I'm not happy. <laughs> and he wouldn't have died. So when we mess up, make sure the people who know about it understand that God does not approve of what we did wrong. And then God will not be upset with you for degrading his character or misrepresenting him. I don't like it when people say, you know, Apostle Theo said this and Apostle Theo said that, or Dr. Theo did this and Dr. Theo did that. If it's not true, I don't like it. And nor do you. And nor does God. So when we do something wrong and other Christians see us, and baby Christians especially, they think, well, maybe God is okay with that because this is a mature Christian and this is the way he lives. Maybe he uses the wrong language and maybe he tells lies. And so baby Christians think, well, that's okay. God approves. No, God doesn't approve. And if we mess up, tell them, I messed up. God does not approve of what I just did. That way, you and God will have a good relationship. All right. Do not ever misrepresent God. Those who suppress their conscience because they desire to live a lifestyle of sin are in grave danger. Those who suppress their conscience because they want to live a lifestyle of sin are in grave danger. What is a lifestyle of sin? There are things the Bible clearly says are wrong. The Bible clearly says there are several things that are sinful we are not to indulge. For example, lying is a sin. Now today in our modern world, lying is common. Don't let that creep into Christianity. Because the Bible says in Revelation 21, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Every liar that lies on TV, every politician that tells lies, they're all going to burn the lake of fire. They mustn't think God doesn't see what they do. He does. Let's not be sucked into that lifestyle. All liars will have their place like a fire, so don't lie. Don't steal. No adultery. No murder. We know these things are wrong, right? And there are others. Christians who live this way suppress their conscience. They are living a lifestyle of sin. They don't want to hear what their conscience is saying. Their conscience is saying, don't do it. But they don't care. They suppress it. This means they are shutting the Holy Spirit out of their life. This lifestyle of sin does not begin there. It starts by staying away from church. It starts by not reading the Bible in, on a daily basis. It starts by not praying or paying tithes every month. It starts by not sharing our faith and witnessing to the lost. It's the simple things that we stop doing. We suppress our conscience until it becomes weak and faint. And then 
we start committing these big sins. Christians who start out like this are hurting their conscience. The voice of their conscience grows dimmer and dimmer until they're living a lifestyle of sin. Staying away from church is training our children to think church is not important. We cannot train our children to think church is not important. We're living in a world that is hostile to the things of God. They will send their children out into the world unprepared to meet the challenge of this hostile world because they haven't trained them that church is important. Their children could easily be influenced to turn away from God and miss heaven because they haven't been trained. So, make sure we don't end up in heaven while our children are burning in hell. Let's train them in the way they should go. Romans 1.28 And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Because they did not like to think about God, live for God, come to church, read their Bible, because they're willing to forfeit these things and backslide, God gave them over to a debased mind. The old King James says a reprobate mind. What is that? What's a reprobate mind? It's a mind that doesn't understand the difference between wrong and right. In other words, it's a mind that doesn't have a conscience anymore. When a man or woman has no conscience, child of God, they now live like an animal by their instinct. And so many people in our world today are living by instinct. They have no more conscience because they deliberately have violated suppressed their conscience. They don't want to feel guilty, so they push it down in order to do what they know they shouldn't do. Living by the conscience is freedom. 1 John 5, 16. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All right, so there's a sin that doesn't lead to death, and there's a sin that leads to death. Leads to death. In other words, it's over a period of time. The sin that leads to death is living the lifestyle of sin. Every wrong is sin, but not all sin leads to death. Verse 17. 18. We know that those who have become part of God's family do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on them. So, here it is again. They practice sinning. When we make a mistake, 
We ask God to forgive us. We are forgiven. We have a rich, wonderful relationship with God. But we never want to get into a lifestyle of practicing sinning as a habit. James 1.14, temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to sinful actions and evil actions lead to death. There's that death again, which is separation from, separation from God. This is not dying and going to be buried. This is dying by separating from God as a living person on the earth because they suppress their conscience. Now the Holy Spirit departs from them. Is God talking to Christians or unbelievers here? Let's read the next verse. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So yes, this is talking to Christians. Christians can die the second death, spiritually. James 5.19 My dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save that sinner from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. See here, James the Apostle is saying that Christians can backslide and lose their salvation. That's what he's talking about. We can bring them back, back to fellowship with God and back into fellowship in church. Now, today, we're living in a world where we can't go to church because the government says we can't because of the coronavirus, COVID-19. So we have to stay at home. We may not go and gather together. In this case, we can come together in our homes as a family and watch on TV or watch on your cell phone or your computer and worship God as a family that is acceptable with the Father. But when church opens again, and it will, we must understand we do not stay at home. We go to church. This is very important to maintain a clear conscience. All right, family, I trust that this has been a blessing to you and helped you understand how to live a simple life of freedom by following the conscience and simply asking yourself, is this acceptable with God or not? And if you're not sure what the Bible says, but you still have a peace in your heart to do it, go ahead with a clear conscience, it's fine. And even if you've made a mistake, God will forgive you. But if you know God says don't do it, don't do it. All right, we we'll love you, and we can't wait to see you. Amen. Every head bowed, please, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't want to die and go to hell. Can you help me? Yes, I can. I can help you. Won't you please pray this little prayer with me? Dear God in heaven, 
Please forgive me for my sins. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I declare he is my Lord from today. I'll serve him with all my heart. If you said that from the heart, God accepts that, and you have been born into the family of God. Welcome into God's family. We love you, we're proud of you, and we can't wait to see you soon. From me and Pastor Bev, God bless. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.